There's also the aspect of learning to do something scared. You don't have to be super confident in every single thing that you do, because if that's the case, you're never going to grow. Back once again with the Renegade Master. Beatbox. <laughs> 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 one with the ill behavior. I, I actually don't know the lyrics to that, so you know the song I'm talking about? No, do you want to shuffle? You just got to keep digging yourself. <laughs> I'm going to keep digging. It's, I'm good at that. Uh, so I, I, it's the first time I've introduced anyone as the renegade master. So Dr. Mariah McCauley, how are you? Welcome back to the show. Oh, it is so good to be back. So good. <laughs> so, and I hear Mondo congratulations are due for you hitting a certain anniversary. Just about, just about. I'm actually about a month away from that official anniversary, but a year since graduation. That's it. Yeah. That is it. So you don't get to call yourself a new graduate anymore. Nope. <laughs> no longer the new grad. I have to hand that title off to the next cohort. Are you sad about that? How do you feel about that? There's a part of me that is super excited to no longer be the new vet. Um, mm -hmm. I now have experience underneath all my feet. But at the same time, I kind of liked having that title. So when I was talking to, say, like a specialist or the referral hospitals in the area, I could say, well, you know, I'm just a new grad. I'm still new at this. And they'd be like, oh, that's okay. And they'd be a lot nicer to me. <laughs> yeah. I feel now that I have a bit more experience, if I push a case to them and they're like, why did you send me this? <laughs> they're not going to be as nice. But overall, I'm excited to no longer be the new grad to officially have a bit more, a little bit more foothold with my clients. They know me a bit better. So overall excited. I remember the moment clearly when my first boss, he took me aside and he said, Davey, you're, you're not a new grad anymore. The expectations go up from here. And I was <laughs> like, oh, shit, I'm giving it everything I've got. Like, I don't know how much more there is. <laughs> yeah. But it's right. I mean, that is, it's like a coming of age for vets. So I thought what we might do in this episode was do a little review of the year through a little framework I like to use, mostly for managing my businesses, a little strategic planning framework, but perhaps use it to go through and, and reflect on your year. Would you be up for that? I think so. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So the first lens that I will go through is the brutal truths. What are the brutal truths that, as you reflect on the year, come to light for you? Hmm. The brutal truth, first one being that as a new grad, my communication skills were not great. Um, granted, I feel like that's most new grads. So I had lots of area to improve there. But I guess it would just be more like the typical new grad things where my communication wasn't great. I was slow. Can you elaborate on the communication skills not being great? Like, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? And sort of how did that show up? The way that that showed up would be in just a typical conversation, I didn't have my flow down. So as a doctor, like you have your conversation about allergies, you know, your kidney disease, your spiel basically for every little thing. But as a new grad, you are bouncing. Yeah, you're bouncing between this thing of I have all of the nitty gritty information that vet school gave me and you're trying to funnel it down into what the client actually needs to hear and actually needs to know in that moment, in that conversation. And so I found myself bouncing between all these big ideas, 
client got a little bit confused as to what I was going on. I ended up a little bit confused as to what I was supposed to be doing or saying. And in the end, somehow we arrived at the station. I felt like the maybe the wheels on the car had fallen off. And we were actually in a rust bucket rather than a, in a Mercedes Benz <laughs> or something. But we got there. So... <laughs> That's probably an over-dramatization of what it felt like as a new grad, but I think now they're better. Still a long way to go, but I have my spiel down for a lot of different things. I'm a lot more confident in how I present something, even if I don't know it, and I can answer questions that the clients are presenting in a much more confident and professional manner. So it's definitely been a change, but that was one thing looking back on the last year, I was like, I thought I went into this with a lot more, well, my communication skills were maybe better than most, but I was like, I don't know, were they? <laughs> were they really? It's actually quite a nice picture I've got in my head of like, you've got the fragments of what you need to say and university gives you that, but it doesn't give you any of the connecting bits of the puzzle. And then you're like, oh, it doesn't fit. How do I-? Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to wing that and work it out. So communication, what other, you were slow, what other brutal truths did you learn? Or actually, let's not say learn, but what other brutal truths were exposed? Brutal truths was, I guess, areas of weakness. Uh, Coming out of vet school, I learned that as much as I love surgery, love it to bits, anesthesia continues to be that little weasel that makes me feel not as confident in things. And of course, like our our nurses are fantastic. They are able to correct a lot of things while I'm digging around in the abdomen of a dog. And then I look up and then I was like, how are things going? And they're like, oh, I just fixed such and such a thing. And I'm like, great. (laughs) But there's still other cases where they need the doctor to say, hey, no, we're giving atropine. No, we're doing this, that or the other. And a lot of times, especially as a new grad, I'm like, wait, is that the right choice? Is this the best thing for this moment? And I have to bring my mentor in for that. But that was one area that I was like, ooh, that was not as strong coming out of vet school as maybe I would have liked or maybe as I thought compared to my classmates. Any others? Like areas of knowledge weakness or just general brutal truths? Oh, just general brutal truths. Hmm. We're not going to stick with a donor, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) that's fine. Oh, the other one was I'm really bad at saying no. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. So part of that is just being the new grad and trying to take on as much as you can so you can get as much experience and to show that you're keen and you're willing to be there and like do all the things. Of course, that ends up being that you take on too many cases. Maybe you are not just exhausting yourself, but you're then exhausting your team as a result. (laughs) So learning how even if I think I can take on a case, If my nurses and my assistants and everybody else in the hospital is staring at me with dagger eyes, I should probably not take that case on. So (laughs) learning those little tidbits. Okay, so brutal truths should never be done because it can be a bit bruising without reasons to believe. So from the last year, what reasons to believe are there that, that this is a good choice, that you're still up for this? That you're going to make it as a vet. (laughs) A lot of it is that I still get excited to come to work and see my team. I get excited to look at the schedule and be like, ooh, I have this type of case or I have this new type of case that I've never seen before. And those kind of things. I'm like, all right, all right. There's still new things to try. 
And otherwise, I'm also building relationships with certain clients where they know me on almost like a first name basis. I get along with them really well. They request me as their vet. And I'm like, what? Like, you want me to see your pet again? Like, apparently that went well the last time. So that really builds up your confidence and tells me that this is a place where I'm not only making a difference, but it's feeding back and being positive for myself. Okay. Any others? Any other reasons? Okay. I mean, it's always nice to get positive feedback from clients that just kind of reiterates that, hey, what you're doing as a vet makes a difference in someone else's life. Th- those are the main ones that Do I you know what's conspicuous by its absence is that, you know, a lot of people, I think if I asked them what the brutal truth would have said, this can burn you out or grind you down. Like, that's what you hear. You've not gone near that. Yeah. Which I mean, is interesting to me. It's there. It's there, but it's just not as high on my list as the others. When you say it's there, it's, you mean you felt tired? Like it's it's been challenging? Mm-hmm. There are so many days where I finish and I come home and, or even before I even get home, like I sit in the car and I just want to fall asleep. Like everything in my body just feels like the battery has drained. There's nothing left to give. And I just need to sleep. Like I need a good cup of tea and I need to sleep. <laughs> that's that's oh, what I need tea. to recharge. You are showing off <laughs> the fact you studied in Scotland. <laughs> it's you hard to just, hide. You've seen a good brew. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about your accomplishments. What things over the last 12 months have you accomplished that you reflect on and think, damn, yes, that is really cool. I'm very proud of that. And this sets me up well. Mm -hmm. There are specific cases that I could put in that list, whether it was um, an extensive burn wound that I managed, starting a new type of cancer treatment (laughs) on one of my patients. That's something very, very new. I can't speak on fully yet. But the other big one was recently I started having really my own surgery day. And granted, it's still shared in the same day with my mentor, but I have my own cases I do all the plans. I talk with the clients. Like I'm pretty much my own thing for surgeries. And that was huge. And also just not having to call my mentor in for certain surgeries to be like, hey, I need you to just stand in the room. It was weird. There were a couple surgeries where it was like, I had my assistant just go and find him because I was like, I don't need him, but I need the presence of someone who could help if they needed to. Mm-hmm. And as he walked in the door, I was literally trying to find like a uterus. I think it was just the uterus. I was taking forever. And I was like, just go find him because if he walks in the door, I'll find it. And literally he took one step in the room and I was like, found it. <laughs> it's like, thank you. Now you can leave. <laughs> you know, I went through a very cyclical relationship with neutering. And, you know, you start out and everybody's like, oh, bitch face. I'm so scared. Like it's going to bleed to death. And then, you know, they don't and you can fix them if they bleed a bit and and they're really good learning actually if they do do that but caspase for some reason which started out really easy just became got in my head for just a little while i was like i just can't find this bloody uterus like for love nor money and i i, I was trying to make my wound smaller so i'd have to get my finger in there and i just couldn't do it i had to get my finger in to feel it and a you know spare hook i could never use i was just hopeless with a spare hook and I think I just lag. I always felt like I was going to hook up like a branch of the AR or something. I was like freaking out by that. Mm-hmm. Any amount of um, tension, you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I just didn't get on with that. And then that that phase went away, and it was like then completely. I was like, how ridiculous was that? But for a while, it was really in my head. So 
any other accomplishments that stand out for you? And again, you've you've zoomed into some very specific sort of mm-hmm. instances. How about zooming back out a little bit to perhaps a sort of you know ten thousand foot view of the mm-hmm. year? I'm managing my time a lot better. I'm able mm-hmm. to take care of myself a lot better, partly because of things that we talked about in previous episodes where I practice my taking care of my mental health and physical health in vet school so I could transfer that over to now. I knew kind of what level my mind and my body needed in order to rest and kind of relax and come back to center. So that was something in the beginning of being a new vet where I poured so much mental and physical energy into the job. I knew that there was going to be a period of time where I had to back off on other things. But now that I'm a year out, I am much more settled on saying, no, I have my boundaries. Like, I'm not going to come in on this day. I'm not going to do work at home on these certain days. I'm going to make sure I get this amount of physical exercise, mental rest. Like, I'm much better about that. So let's move on to, I think the bit that I would like to spend the most time on is lessons learned. and. When we do this in the planning exercises, I always try and express because lessons learned can often turn into a bit of a, you know, let's beat ourselves up over stuff we did wrong. And so generally, we're trying to express the lessons learned as uh, let's imagine in a business context that when we don't do a good job of managing customer expectations, they get mad. So that's a good way to express a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. What have been the we can go as long in this as you like, but what are the best lessons you have learned? Hmm. There's a lot. <laughs> all right. Let's I got to go. choose a couple of them here. This podcast for all those yeah. wonderful, wonderful souls that are joining our profession mm-hmm. right now. I think one of the biggest ones, and it, it kind of overarches a lot of the others, is just to give yourself grace, honestly. Like you're going to be a new grad, you're going to be slow, you're not going to be as knowledgeable, you're going to take, like again, slow, take more time to find things, to look things up, to explain things. And I remember just kind of beating myself up about the fact that I didn't know something or I had to ask for help again, or that my schedule was, I wasn't seeing as many clients because my, my blocks were longer for good reason. But I just felt like I wasn't able to do enough. I felt like I was making, well, not making mistakes per se, but slower calls on things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there was even like a dog that came in with a UTI and it took me like an hour to work it up and the client was upset. And of course, now looking back on those things, like I'm able to do that kind of console in no time at all. But I was so unsure about like what medication, what antibiotic I should choose. Like, should I go for the Cisto right now? How long does it take for the test to run? Like all of these little pieces had to fall into place for this diagnosis of a UTI and treatment to be instigated that I just beat myself up about it. I was like, oh, I'm not good at this. There's like, I just, I I remember even days like I was almost feeling ill to come into that practice because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to see today. I just feel kind of burnt out. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know what's going to be on my surgery schedule. Is it going to be a, a large bitch bay or something? And those kind of things, the unknown was a big part of it. And I had to let go of that. I had to say, you know what? It's okay to not know. It's okay to be slow. It's okay to 
take longer to do all of these things right now because that's the stage of life that you're in. And of course, at the time, I felt that I wasn't progressing fast enough. I was like, I'm supposed to be a lot better at this right now. I didn't have my classmates to compare myself to anymore. I had people who were 10, 15, 40 years in practice to compare myself to. And that's not a comparison that you can make. It's not <laughs> it's fair. Just not. Like, it's not. No. So the biggest overarching lesson has just been to give myself grace. Because even like there was a case yesterday where I literally got in the car driving down the road 10 minutes and I just had that moment of panic. I was like, <gasps> did I prescribe that medication right? And of course, thinking back through it, I was like, the variations that were running through my head, nothing bad was going to happen. And I was like, should, I should get on the phone. I should get on the computer right now and see what I've done. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, actually, no, everything is going to be okay until you get back in the office. So that's a problem for tomorrow. <laughs> so, so chill. Yeah, exactly. Chill. Go enjoy your one day off. Like, Don't spend it melting over this one little question that you're asking yourself. What do you do your days off? A lot of it is life admin because that's what you do. <laughs> you get your groceries done. You get your bills paid. But I also try and set aside time where I can be outside in nature as long as the weather is amicable for it. But a lot of days I either go for a run, I go for a walk, I get on the bike, I cycle out 23 miles or whatever. And I don't listen to anything while I'm doing that. I just listen to nature, which right now mm. the cicadas are super loud. So you can't even hear yourself think in, in certain parts of the trail. But that'll be gone in about a month. But in general, I find it really like meditative to just hear your feet on the ground, the sound of whatever is zipping by my ears as I ride. But just to take time away from veterinary medicine, it's incredibly important. And that would be another lesson is to like, even if though it was something I learned in vet school, I had to reapply that to real life and say, okay, you're not the student version anymore, but what does this look like as a doctor? What does it look like to actually step away? Because now there's more pressure to focus on veterinary medicine because like I have cases that I'm seeing day to day, week to week, month to month, and it'll be the type of thing where 2 a.m. you just wake up and you're like, huh, I haven't heard from that client in like a month. I hope that dog's okay. And then you're like, okay, brain, shut down. Like you're <laughs> supposed to be sleeping right now. You woke me up to think about this. Like why? So learning ways of shutting that down and There's saying- There's a tiger at the cave. There's a tiger at the cave. Exactly, exactly. Cave. And you're like, what tiger where? It's a kitten and actually it's a stuffed animal and there's no cave. <laughs> So, so write it down and go back to the health. <laughs> yeah, sleep. write it down, go back to sleep. If you have to like take two minutes to be like, okay, is this a problem that has to be dealt with right now? No. Okay, sleep. So learning and practicing that. I like that. So give yourself a break. You are young and you need time to learn. Connect with nature and recharge if you wish to maintain a positive outlook. What other lessons learned were there? Take care of your community. Absolutely. What do you mean by community? So there's different bubbles of, of your community, for sure. There is your immediate community within the veterinary practice, uh, meaning the people that you see and work with every single day. If you're creating a negative area, a negative space, then they're not going to want to work with you. It's not going to be fun for anybody. So taking stock of 
what kind of mentality you're walking in through those doors with every morning is important and equally so leaving the practice. Like I'm trying, I'm not very good at it, but I'm trying to kind of leave it at the doorstep. If it's something that I can deal with right then before I leave, like I do it because otherwise I know I'm going to fester about it for the next 24 hours or whatever until I get back in the practice. So if it's a problem that has to be dealt with or I'm not going to stop thinking about it, deal with it then. The rest of it, you can drop at the doorstep and pick it back up when you walk back in. But going back to the whole community side, there is the immediate community in your practice. And then there's the community that you have outside of the practice, which chances are you have multiple bubbles. So you have like your family, you have your neighbors, you have your friends, and you need to honestly be intentional about the time that you're spending with each of them. Because otherwise, months will go by and you'll realize that you have not seen a single person outside of the people that you work with. And basically, you don't want to neglect those relationships. It's really easy to, like super easy to neglect them. And it doesn't help anybody if you do. I'm not very great at it myself. I mean, it's still a lesson that I'm learning and trying to figure out how do you balance. Because of course, as a working adult, all your friends are working adults too. And you try to line up a time to meet and it's like, I'm free in three years. Um, (laughs) So no one is ever really available at the same time. But again, it's that intentionality of saying, you know what, I don't necessarily have time, but I have, like I've set my boundaries in a way that says I can make time because you are important in my life. And so I will do this. And so we'll set aside, even if it's 20 minutes, to go get a cup of coffee, chat about life, and then go back to whatever you're doing. But that would be the other little bit of how do you take care of those other communities in there. Okay. So any others on the lessons learned front before we move on? I think that's the majority for right now. All right. So taking inventory of where you are now compared to where you were, what would you describe that you've learned about yourself in terms of strengths? What are you starting to see as strengths in yourself? And are, are any of those surprises to you? Ooh, this is a really good introspection. Have I really thought about this? Huh. Okay. Strengths. I know that my passion, my interest is building relationships and working on communication. So that would be one of them is just um, my strength is Being able to pick up communication skills, I find I'm doing a lot better at those and I'm really enjoying the process of getting better. So that's another thing is just being able to find excitement in the learning process, not just waiting to get to the finish line, because of course, for things like communication or veterinary medicine in general, there is no finish line. You never get there. It is a journey. It is a process. It is a freaking painful marathon at times. But <laughs> why do we run marathons? Because they're fun, apparently. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I, I never will. Okay, triathlons then. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. There you go. <laughs> but they yeah, are never... fun. Marathons don't they... look like any fun. Yeah, marathons, not so much. Half marathons, I really enjoyed those. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed those. Yeah, so going back to strengths, finding fun in the learning process, that's one. On a more nitty-gritty type of level, surgeries. I've really loved trying new surgeries. I've gotten to do um, a couple things like cherry eye and tropion, a grid keratectomy recently, all doing well. So I was like, hey, hang my hat on that little next, write it on the list of things that I've done at this point. Um, So I will love to continue to do surgeries. Um, 
trying to zoom back out. I know I can get really focused in on some of these. I feel like I need more prompts to figure out what my strengths are. I just haven't really thought about it too much. So I'm actually curious about surgery. Did you have a sense of excitement or foreboding or neither about surgery before you graduated? I had a mix of excitement and foreboding. I knew that I liked it. The idea of doing it completely on my own was terrifying and I needed to take a Pepto-Bismol before some of those surgeries um, just to get through them. But there's also the aspect of learning to do something scared. You don't have to be super confident in every single thing that you do because if that's the case, you're never going to grow. There's going to be a lot of things so that you're just going to have to do it scared and shaking. <laughs> you just got to get through it. Do the dang thing, um, as Gary Marshall would say. So, <laughs> For a second there, I thought you said Gary Vanderchuk, and I was going to no, say, I'm pretty no, sure Gary Vanderchuk never said dang. Then no. I was like, no, that sounds much more like Gary Marshall. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Love you, man. Hi, Gary. So that would be, I guess I'm turning that into one of my strengths is just learning to do things scared, doing things that I've never done before without necessarily have my mentor right there i love that so that's some courage like you know that's strength is being courageous pushing boundaries that's a good label for it i guess that's where where i struggle i struggle at labeling the thing when it comes to it maybe that's a strength as well labeling can be such a dangerous thing to do and you get sort of trapped in the Mm, in the box in the box at times okay so weaknesses where do you see yourself as having the most area to develop or areas that you think, me, that bit of the sweet store, I'm just not into toffee. I'm going to stay mm-hmm. away from that bit of the sweet store. Mm-hmm. On a nitty gritty level, I'll start there and then I'll focus out. Sure. <laughs> so um, we've already talked about anesthesia. That's an area that I continue to grow in and gain more confidence in. I've even seen a difference in the last three weeks um, just from what I've learned Dentistry is another nitty gritty. Radiology. (laughs) So zooming out more. Let's see here. Still learning how to say no for certain cases, for helping different things. Even to just clients in general. I as a new grad, you're almost afraid. It's like, oh, am I am I actually wrong about this? And so you let them bulldoze you. And that's something where I've started to put my foot down a little bit more and say, and try and really not be like, no, I'm not doing that, but providing the appropriate explanation and bringing them along in the conversation. That's an area of communications where I still need to grow and still need to strengthen my skills in because clients can be mean. They can be so scary. And Thankfully, I have amazing assistants and amazing mentors where they will back me on certain things, but I have to learn how to put the front up. I have to learn how to put my foot down in the first place so that they can support me, be behind me for it. That's a big area. Right. Some clients will certainly, if they sniff blood, they'll go for the kill, right? Right there. Right for the throat. Ugh. What's in the next year? Do you have a sense of goal setting as to what good would look like for you in the coming year? I think in the general sense of being in practice, there's always the numbers of like how many clients you're able to see, uh, revenue that you're able to make, which are in a way reflective of, again, clients that you're able to help and the quality of medicine you're able to provide. So I have that kind of number for myself. But 
in general, I'm looking to be a bit more solo, not in the sense that I have to do everything completely by myself, but in the sense that my mentor and everyone else doesn't have to constantly be checking in to be like, hey, you doing okay? Need any help on anything? Like they're already pretty confident in letting me do things and they wait for me to come to them for a lot of stuff. But I wish that I could give them a little bit more more of that leash to be like, I am okay. I actually, I do feel confident enough to just take this on. I can do this surgery by myself. So I have a couple of those that are on the list. Related to that, how do you know when you've done a good job or how will you know when you've accomplished your goals? They're probably two slightly different questions. So maybe mm-hmm. tackle them individually. Mm-hmm. There's different levels to it. There is the the self-satisfaction level of seeing like maybe the, if we're looking at a particular case that it goes well, that the animal is better, that the client is happy. But there's also the level of, okay, do I feel good about what I've done? Do I feel that this is something that I could repeat the same steps in a future case and have the same outcome in the same level of satisfaction and confidence? So that would be one personal level, but then also just doing a bit of reflection with my mentors and saying, hey, how do you think that went? Do you think I I managed that case appropriately? Do you think the client's expectations were were met appropriately? And so having outside feedback is intricately important. Uh, Mentors have come up several times already that's maybe one of the words you've said the most frequently in this conversation without directly referencing them and I I cannot help but think that they've been a big part of the fact that you you're watching from afar you have really sort of thrived and and almost feels like you bucked the trend a little bit or certainly the the vibe that's out there what veterinary practice should be like tell us what your mentors have done for you that have helped and what advice would you have for people when looking for mentors that you have learned to be important Mm -hmm. about that process in the last year? So I'll take that question first by kind of defining what mentors are and it's going to be different for every single person and you're going to need different mentors for different areas of your life. So I have, I have a few mentors, honestly, and I have the one that you think of in practice, like the actual doctor that I I shadowed and spent a lot of time with in my first couple months. This is the same person that we talked about in the first episode, actually, and how we set up a schedule of this is what my client, my consults are going to look like. This is the type of consults that we're going to try and give me for the first couple months so I can get my feet underneath me. But Outside of being in the practice type of mentor, I have mentors that are just there for shooting the breeze and just kind of talking about life in general. So having those different bubbles and people that you can go to and just say, hey, I need to not talk about veterinary medicine. I need to talk about this part of my life. And when you're trying to find an actual mentor, I know there's there's almost like a, I don't know, like a business partnership feel to it in some cases. Which, I mean, when I was looking for my first job, that was something. Like, we drew up a mentorship clause of saying, this is what you're going to uphold. This is what I'm going to uphold. Like, there was, like, a business partnership to that relationship. 
But outside of that, my other mentors, they are people that like, there's no clause that we had to write. It was just honestly someone that I kept going back to and they kept checking in. And we found that it was a mutually beneficial relationship and that we're able to kind of chat about life and really help each other in the different stages that we were in. So the first step of finding a mentor is kind of deciding like, what does mentorship mean to you? Like, what are you looking for out of that relationship? And going to a person that you think is going to be a mentor, in some cases, you have to physically ask them, hey, would you like to be my mentor? Like, lay it out for them. But in others, it almost like falls into the relationship that you already have. And one beautiful way that I like to look at this was actually I got from the Colin and Samir podcast, not veterinary related at all, but they talked about mentorship on three tiers with plus, minus, and equal. So you want a mentor that is more experienced than you. So a plus um, above your skill level, expertise level, age level. You want to be a mentor for a mentee that is below you. So younger than you, maybe they're in a previous class, maybe they're um, basically not at the same stage of life as you. And then you want a mentor who is equal. So you want someone who is one of your peers. So a lot of times this just ends up being your friends that you go and grab a drink with anyway. So technically they are in that class of mentorship. They're able to provide feedback. They're able to provide um, edifying conversations and challenge you in ways that other people would just be flaky about. So again, that comes back to what are you looking for in a mentor? You should be looking for someone who will challenge you, someone who will say, but why did you do it that way? Or why did you react that way? And do you want to do it better? Like, do you think what you did was wrong? Like actually pokes the bear a little bit. But you also want someone who is going to inspire you, who's going to light that fire underneath your butt and encourage you in what you're doing. So I think that's how I would wrap up that question of like what my mentors have done for me and what I'd recommend for people when they were looking for a mentor. I love it. Now, in the overall, has your first year in practice left you with a strong desire to keep going and feeling like this was a good decision for you? you know, either you made the right career choice or, you know, how has it left you feeling? Absolutely. I feel that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, at least at this stage in my life. I have some five and 10 year plans, which we'll see which direction I go. I have a couple places that I could, but in general, veterinary medicine is exactly where I was supposed to be. This is the job I was called for. This is the kind of clientele, the patients, like everything. It just speaks to my soul on a different level. And I don't really see myself doing anything terribly different. Granted, pivoting happens. Uh, who knows? For who knows? In 10 years, you could see me in mixed animal practice. For But who knows? <laughs> but in general, yes, veterinary medicine, exactly where I was meant to be. It's not entirely the picture that I had when I started vet school. But granted, how can you know until you get into it? But it's where I'm supposed to be. I love it. And if you were to give three pieces of advice to the graduating class of 2021, or indeed yourself, as you were coming out in 2020, what would those pieces of advice be? First one is something that we've already touched on here, but give yourself grace. 
not just in your first year, but even when you're 10, 15, 20 plus years out, there are going to be things that you still don't know. You're going to have those youngsters that come up behind you and say, actually, in vet school, they taught us that you don't have to do this <laughs> or do something that way. Whip, whippersnappers. <laughs> I've been that person. Why I oughta. <laughs> so definitely give yourself <laughs> grace. The other one would be stay hungry. Like keep looking for things to challenge yourself because you're going to hit a couple bumps in the road where you're going to plateau, honestly, and it gets kind of boring and you're like, okay, I got into veterinary medicine and so far in my life, I've just been constantly learning. Like this learning process is awesome. But if you are plateauing and you don't feel like you're progressing, chances are you need to do the third thing, which is learn to pivot as needed. So life is going to throw curveballs at you. Life is going to change. You're going to have different interests depending on the people that you come into contact with. So being not afraid of just saying, you know what, today I'm doing something different and just kind of going with it. Granted, I wouldn't be flaky about it. Like be intentional about pivoting. That's that's a better way to say it. Don't be flaky. But that would be the three things as being give yourself grace and learn to pivot. <laughs> and I already forgot my second one. But <laughs> learn. Keep learning. Yes, yeah, stay hungry. There it is. See, I was paying attention. Oh, good. You were because I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Yeah, so give yourself grace, stay hungry, and be okay with pivoting. That would be the three pieces of advice I'd give. Amazing. Well, listen, congratulations on one year post-graduation and nearly one year in Thank you. practice. Uh, it's really fun to have a conversation like this. And it's just genuinely fun to see you having fun and enjoying it because I think you've made some really good decisions and kudos to the people you work with as well for being part of the village it takes to raise a child as it were and i don't say that i hope that doesn't sound patronizing no, not at all it's wonderful to chat to you again and uh look forward to having you back on the show soon thank you so much dr ryan mccauley Woo! thanks for having me bye guys <laughs> 